Hey guys, welcome to episode one of the Lord I Need You podcast. This is Casper Schistel with The Lord's Parallel, episode one. Guys, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. I'm so excited for this episode. This is episode one. I'm excited. There was an episode zero if you want to get to know who I am. But other than that, episode one, two, three, and forever long, however long this is going to go, is all of the Lord Almighty, our Heavenly Father. So buckle in, get ready for that. This episode's titled The Lord's Parallel. You can open up to the book of Matthew chapter 27 if you have your Bible with you, because that's what we're going to be looking at today. So before I get started with everything, I got to do the worst part of this. And we know you can skip it if you want, but it's the shameful plugs that I have to do just so we can get the word out. You know, if people are listening and you want to get the word out to other people, they got to know where they got to go. So you're going to find this podcast literally everywhere, um, even places I've never even heard it before. That's thanks to my host just throwing it out there. It's going to be on Apple Podcasts. It's going to be on Google Podcasts. It's going to be on Spotify, Stitcher, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Pandora. Uh, you can get clips of this on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok if you want to get those. It'll be almost like a notification every time there's a podcast out. It'll be on one of those. You can find them at at Lord I Need You on YouTube and then Lord I Need You on Instagram and TikTok as well with periods instead of spaces in between those words. Uh, that's where they'll be. So yeah, uh, also leave comments, leave reviews, leave likes, follow. But as I always say, don't feel pressured to do that. Don't feel pressured at all to follow, leave likes or comments. Only do it if you're feeling led to. Ask the Lord if you should. Pray about me. Pray about what I'm saying. Make sure is of the Lord and that, you know, how it's going to impact you. Always double check me with the big man upstairs because he knows more than me. That's for, that's for sure. So before I get started on this, I'm going to pray. Uh, so if you're able, please put your hands together, bow your heads, close your eyes, um, and take off your hats. And we're going to pray to the Almighty Father. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for this time uh, that we get to spend with you. I thank you for the listener that they're here, um, that for some reason and somehow you've put this podcast in their way and in front of their eyes, and you prompted them to click on it and to listen to it. So I thank you for their presence, Lord. I pray that you open up all of our hearts, souls, and minds so we may hear you, so we may feel your presence, and that we may receive what you have for us today and what you're using me to say as a messenger. Lord, open us up so we can receive that. I pray for me as the messenger that all I do is speak your word. You close my mouth if I'm speaking something not of you, and you let me go if you're if I'm speaking something of you, Father. Please, I pray, let you guide me and just flow through me. We love you so much with our whole heart, soul, and mind. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's get started. So I actually want to start off with a story. I got a pretty good story that relates to what we're going to be talking about today. So my whole family, we moved down to Asheville, North Carolina, right? Well, my parents moved down and my sister and I during the summer, so my sister and I were able to move with them. And so... We were in Asheville, North Carolina. We're all hanging out as a family, and then things start happening and taking us away. Uh, one of my old friends from high school, um, he's pretty much the only friend I had from high school, is still lives in Michigan because that's where we moved from. We moved, we moved from Michigan, and he asked me during the summer if I wanted to come up and work with him at a pizzeria up in Harbor Springs, Michigan. So he has a little ski, a ski house, not a lake house, but a ski house up north where all the ski hills are. And in the summer... They sit right at a right at a harbor of Lake Michigan, known as Harbor Springs, Michigan. And there's a little pizzeria place that he works in year after year after year and during the summer. 
And so he asked me if I wanted to join him. And so I prayed about it and the Lord said yes. And I was super pumped. So for a month, I flew out to Michigan and I worked with him at this pizzeria place and it was awesome. And so I was gone. So it was just my mom, my dad, and my sister here in Nashville. And so during, so during that time, they were hanging out. I was up in Michigan doing my thing. And towards the end of that month, my grandfather ended up passing away. By the grace of the Lord Almighty, my dad was able to make it out to California because that's where he lived at the time. He was able to make it out to California to and land and see him two hours before he ended up passing away and started spending his eternity with the Lord Almighty up in heaven. So what a grace from the Lord that my dad was able to get there. So he left to go be with him and then he had to stay because of all the funeral stuff that they had to put together. He has six siblings, so they all had to coordinate things. So... It was a lot of work, so he had to be over there. I was in Michigan, so it was just my sister and my mom here in Asheville. So they were hanging out. And as the time came that I was about to come home, my sister and mom had been trying churches. You know, as a family, we've been going around trying churches, seeing where the Lord's leading us, and he didn't hasn't really led us to any specific church yet. But we found this one church, and I went about two times to maybe three times before I left for Michigan. And my mom and my sister were trying different places and they tried uh, this church like one one time or two times. And my sister, even though she was only going to be here for the summer and going to head back, she wanted to get plugged in as quick as possible. And so she went to a young adults group and I think it was that meeting where she, to the young adults group, and the leader of the young adults group went and asked her, hey, we're having a camp, a kid's camp. Do you want to be a leader? Because we're running shorts on leaders. So do you want to be a leader for kids camp? And unbeknownst to her, my sister and I were camp leaders at our old church. Uh, we were camp counselors for different camps. Uh, we were, you know, we grew up going to church camp. So we've been in church camp and we've been leaders of church camp before. So it's definitely both up both of our alleys. And she said, you know, she prayed about it. And then she said, the Lord said yes. And so Within a week of going to this new church, she's already plugged in and already has a group of people and is going to be a camp counselor. And so she thought of me and she prayed about it and the Lord told her that I was going to go to camp too. And so while I'm at Michigan, I have you know a few days left in Michigan, she calls me and she goes, Casper, they're having a church camp and it's just like NTS. NTS was our church camp that we went to as kids back in Michigan. They take kids, they go to a college, and they have worship nights, they have small groups, right? And then you have games, and you have competitions, and there's different team colors and things like that. You dress your color and all that fun stuff. So it's just like that. So my sister calls me. She's like, Casper, there's a camp that's just like NTS. I prayed about it, and the Lord wants me to go, and I prayed about it for you. And by the way, the Lord's telling me to tell you that you're going. And it's two days after you get back. Two days after you get back. She goes, love you, bye. I'm like, and I'm still struggling with what I just got because it was only a day or two earlier that I got the news about my, my grandfather passing and I was really close to so that. Destroyed me. So I was not ready to hear that. But I prayed about it myself and knowing deep down I really did want to go. But I prayed about it myself and the Lord said I was going. He confirmed what my sister heard. So I literally get back on Friday from Michigan and I have the weekend because then Monday is camp. So I have two days with my mom and my sister before we head off to camp. And again, she's completely new. She barely knows anybody. I'm completely new. I know nobody. And so I walk into camp and <laughs> I meet my boss of camp. So the higher up, one of the higher leaders. And the camp is from sixth grade 
to 12th grade. So all of middle school and high school are going to this camp. They got a bunch, a bunch of kids. And they're like, so nice to meet you. You're going to be with sixth grade boys. And <laughs> sixth grade is right up my alley. But at the same time, I was just shocked. They didn't even know me. And they're already putting me with sixth grade boys. Um, so that was going to be interesting. And then, <laughs> and then they sprung on me. And I got the sheet of list of names that I have 11 sixth grade boys. I'm going to let that one sink in for a little bit. 11 sixth grade boys on camp. And it was amazing. It was awesome. It was an amazing time, an amazing experience. Off topic, but kind of on topic. Literally the first night, Monday night of camp, six out of the 11 boys gave their life to Christ. Blew me away to be able to see that happen because I was around that age when it happened for me. So the grace of God to let me see like their lives change in a matter of 30 seconds was incredible. So Camp was amazing, and Julie had a great time, and we came back with this community that was incredible because the Lord had had me going through almost this time of isolation with him, just him and I, and it was going on for two and a half years. So I had no community for a really long time, and it was hard, but it was beyond amazing and beyond blessings. But anyway, as I got back from camp, I went from zero community to a community of 30 men and women that love the Lord and that 15 of them I was able to say I could call them at 2 in the morning and they would be there. I mean, just within a five-day period. And then we had, once we got back from camp, we had 10 days before we had to leave to go to California for the funeral. And so there's my mom. She loves her alone time. But if we're going to be real, honestly, guys, I mean, how can you spend seven days all by yourself? I mean, obviously, you can spend time with the Lord. But again, she's new here too. She's new to Asheville as well, Asheville, North Carolina. So she doesn't have a community here either. And so she was completely alone. She felt alone. She was really strong with that. And then we come back with this whole community. And just what you want to do with the community is you want to go spend time with them, right? And so literally after everyone slept the full day after camp, all the camp counselors, you know, we all started to get together. We were all like, yo, how are we hanging out? What are we doing? So we would hang out. And it got to the point where before we would even stop hanging out one day, we would make plans for the next day um, and how we would hang out. And that went on for 10 days straight. And my mom was struggling with being alone. And then we come back and I bought her with, hey, we got to go all over again. And 10 days straight, just new things kept coming up and kept coming up. And it got to the point where she was really struggling with being alone. And we were struggling with being there with her, but also being around a new community that we just met. And we want to be with them and grow those friendships, right? And it got to the point where as every good brother would do, totally throw her under the bus and tell Julia, you go tell mom. Go tell mom that we're going to hang out tomorrow. Um, Yeah, you go tell her, let me know how she reacts, and then we'll go. And so that was my brilliant, loving plan to my mother and sister. And so I would tell Julia to do that, and she would reluctantly do it, thankfully. Thank you, Julia, for doing that for me. You know, my mom would struggle, would struggle, but then they would pray about it, and the Lord, every time the Lord would say, go, let them enjoy the community that I've given them. She would luckily say go and she would might even shed a few tears because she's realizing that she's going to be alone again and it was night and night after night after night. And with that said though, we were able to grow this amazing community, this unbelievable community that when Julia left, because Julia wasn't coming back, after we left for California, we were just going to go right back to Michigan, drop her off at school um, and then come back. So none of them were going to see Julia again until October, which was her birthday when she would come home for her birthday. But 
we were just trying to get all the time we could with these guys and girls and it was it was just an amazing time for Julie and I to grow this relationship in this community that we that I especially haven't had in two and a half years but the whole reason why I'm telling you this story is because I want to highlight my mother I want to highlight her love and her sacrifice in this story my mom would literally be alone see her children get news that they're leaving again and allow them to leave and it would happen day after day after day for 10 days straight she loved us so much that she was willing to sacrifice her time with us to know that we were going to get this great community out of it and she was willing to follow the lord even though it was painful so she used her love for us and her willingness to sacrifice her time with us because she loved us so much and that's really what i want to dive into what love and sacrifice is and how they connect the lord's parallel hence the title is huge in this and that's what he showed me when i was doing my studying this week and i was asking the lord what do you want me to speak about and he said his love and his sacrifice and the connection between the two so what is love and what is sacrifice right well we should find out what love is now I really was curious to wonder what what love was in the world and what love was in the Lord because we all know that in today's day what the world is and what the Lord tells us to do and what the Bible says is two completely different things most of the time. And so I went on to the dictionary and I found what love says. And the definition of love is a profound, tender, passionate affection for another person. Okay, makes sense. And then I went to the thesaurus it's a hard one to say and i looked up what love was and what are like other words for love right and it came up with affection appreciation emotion friendship infatuation passion right all those love feelings so that's what the world says love is a passionate affection for somebody now let's go see what the bible has to say about what love is and so obviously I went to the most famous verse about love in the Bible, mostly used in weddings and things of that nature. And you can open up your Bible to this is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 5. And I mean, it's honestly you can go through 4 through 8 is the whole verse. But I'm just going to focus on verses 4 through 5 where it says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. And so that's what the Bible says what love is. Now, I want you guys to realize this. I want you guys to see this. Love in the world is a feeling. Love in the world is a feeling that someone gets about something. Love in the word and what the Lord says love is, is something that we need to work on. It's a piece of work. It's something we need to strive for. It's something we need to continue to build on. It's something that we need to do. Love in the world is a feeling. Love in the Bible and love in our Lord and Savior is a work. And those are two very different things. And I feel like as the world has moved on and we've gotten away from the word, that love has been diminished. The word love has been pushed down and doesn't hold the same standard that it once was. I mean, we could say, I love that American cheeseburger, or I love my mom. We're still using the same word love. Yes, there's different meanings for it, but 
what the Lord is saying true love is, what true love is, is a work. And love in the world is just a feeling of, oh, I feel like I love that. I like that, so I must love it. Or I love you as a friend, but we just throw that out there. Really, we just like them. Or I love my mother or my father or parents. I love my children. That love is completely different to what, yo, I love my friend. Or, yo, I love those shoes. Or, dude, I love that soundtrack. Like, man, come on. It's completely different. Completely different. And we need to realize that love is so much more than that. It's not just a feeling. It's not, oh, I can love anything or anyone. It's so much deeper of a word and a meaning than what the world says it is now. I mean, the love that the Lord has for us is so much greater than the love I have for my mom or the love I have for my children. It's something that we need to refocus ourselves on on what really love is. And that love is, since it's just a feeling, there's no punishment There's no work, there's no sweat that we have to put in to love in the earthly realm. In the earthly realm, love is just a feeling. We don't have to do anything for it. It's just something that happens. It's something that's there. It's in our body. It's how we feel. The Lord is saying, no, love is something so much more. Love is a work. Love is something you you strive for. Love is something you work on. Love is something you fail at and do better at and grow at and train at. Love is something that is so much more than just, oh, I feel like I love you, or I feel it in me. It is so much more than that. We need to really focus on that and know that love is hard. Love is painful. And it's something that we need to work on. True love is hard. True love is painful. And that is what love is. And how love relates to sacrifice Because many say in the world today that love does not relate to sacrifice. Since love is just a feeling, there's no need to sacrifice. There's no pain that we have to go through. There's no nothing. It's just a feeling. But the Lord is saying, no, that love is painful. But just as much as it's painful, it is beautiful and amazing. And that that sacrifice is to grow your love, to have a greater love. That there's always sacrifice when it comes to love. And there's always love when it comes to sacrifice. When the Lord showed me that, I wanted to know what the world said about sacrifice. So I went to the definition of what the Lord of what the words dictionary says about sacrifice. And it says, the offering of animal, plant, or human life, or of some material possession to a deity, as in appropriation or homage. So pretty much what it's saying is that a sacrifice is giving either an animal, plant, human life, or material possession to something that you worship. That is a sacrifice, right? And that makes complete sense. And if you go through the different list that says material possessions, sacrifice material possessions, I mean, you know, I gave my friend a Snickers bar. I sacrificed for him. Plants. It says a plant. Um, sacrificed a plant. I picked a daisy or I picked a weed or I picked a flower. That's not much sacrifice. That's not going to change the directory of my life. And it's not going to make me think more than three seconds about it. Or an animal. Now this obviously can affect more people. But, you know, the Lord put him on this earth after the fall, man, for us to keep replenishing the body that he gave us. So, sacrifice an animal, going hunting, going fishing. Yes, that sacrifice might come with some hardship inside. But, in the long run, it's not going to 
kill you. It's not going to crazily change your life, right? But the big one I want to focus on here in the sacrifice in an earthly definition is human life. That one takes you back a little bit. A little bit. That one kind of throws you off a little bit. Human life, because that's just not, and right now in our times, acceptable. Obviously, a human life, sacrificing another human for something you believe in? I mean, outside of war, some will say, right, war, we're sacrificing, they're putting their lives on the line to sacrifice in the country that they believe in. Right, I get that. But in the sense of a ritual or to a god or small g or the ultimate father, that stops people. But what's so different and what really is truly making you stop on human life is that it's the ultimate sacrifice. Because all these other sacrifices you can give again and again. I can give as many Snickers bars as I buy. I can give as many daisies to people as I want. I can go out and get a deer every deer season. There's going to be more deer. But when you give and sacrifice someone's life, that's a one-time deal. That's a one-time offer. That's a one-time sacrifice. You can't give that one over again. And so that's the ultimate sacrifice according to the word of the word of the world and the word of the Lord. And so that one hit me and I wanted to relate it and see how did it, so how did this relate to love, Lord? Because I get the ultimate human sacrifice is the ultimate sacrifice is a human life, but with how does that relate to your love and why how do they connect? I don't understand that. So if we go back to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, right? Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. What I want you to notice, and I want you to get this, so pay attention, is that when he says all these things, love is patient, every time he says something that love is or isn't, there's a sacrifice in there. There's He's also saying what you need to sacrifice. So when he says love is patient, we have to sacrifice intolerance. So let's say your spouse is not understanding something you're saying and it's frustrating you or she's getting angry and it's frustrating or he's getting angry. You have to sacrifice your impatience for her not getting it or him not getting it because love is patient. Your love is patient, so you have to sacrifice your intolerance of time frames. Okay, let's go to the next one. Love is kind. If love is kind, then you have to sacrifice hatefulness. You have to sacrifice your hate for something or someone. And I know hate's a big word. Whoa, don't say that. That's that's really strong. We all have had hate in our hearts. That is part of the sin of the world and the sin of man is we've all hated someone or something in our time. Or we will. And the Lord says love is kind. Don't hate because love is kind. So you have to sacrifice your hatefulness. What's the next one? It does not envy. So you have to sacrifice your enviness because love is content. Love is content with the woman or man you're with. Um, hey, we're open here. I'm saying whatever the Lord says, tells me to say. Love is content with whoever you're with. Whoever the Lord has asked you to be with or deemed you to be with, the one that the Lord has chosen for you, Love is content. Your love for that person is content with just them and all of them. It does not envy the girl or the guy across the street or the girl or guy that walked by. 
Love is content. Let's go to the next one. It does not boast. So, and a lot of these are the same in this regard. Love is humility. Love is humble. So you have to sacrifice your boastfulness. And the next one, you have to sacrifice your pride because love is humble and love is full of humility. You lower yourself and you sacrifice the pride and the boastfulness of yourself. Okay, the next one. It does not dishonor others. So love honors others and you have to sacrifice your judgment on others. Love honors the men and women around you and sacrifices your judgment towards them. Your judgment of them not understanding. Your judgment of them not agreeing with you. Your judgment on their actions. You have to sacrifice that. And your love, according to the Lord, is supposed to overcome all that. And you're supposed to honor them and love them. That is love. Now the next one. Love is not self-seeking. So we have to sacrifice our self-seeking and love is unselfish. So love is obviously giving what you have to others and being unselfish with who you are, your behavior, your desires. And you have to sacrifice all of that because love gives everything. Now the next one. It is not easily angered. You have to sacrifice your anger Sacrifice getting angry because love is calm. Love is kind. Love is calm. Love is soothing. Love, and yes, love can get messy. I understand that. But love ultimately gets calm and defeats anger to really show our love. And then the last one, it keeps no records of wrong. At least the last one we're going to go through. It keeps no records of wrong. So we have to sacrifice our comparison with others because love supports what it's saying it keeps no records of wrong you don't compare yourself to others you don't say hey you messed up then you hurt me there why'd you do that two days ago well if you can do that that means i can do this we have to sacrifice our comparisons because if we truly love someone we will support them hey i know you messed up but i love you i got you let's move forward hey i know you hey you hurt me but i forgive you because i love you That's what the Lord did for us, right? The Lord took away all of our sins. Took away all of our sins. Paid for it all. And said, all I ask in return is that you follow me. But you still have the choice. That's love. So when the world is saying, hey, love is just a feeling. And love has nothing to do with sacrifice. There is nothing to do with any of that. It's just, you know, love whoever you want, love anything, whatever. It's just a natural feeling in your body. Do not believe that lie. Because the Lord tells us that love is so much more than that. Love is something that he's given to us and is put inside of us so we may grow as humans and grow as children of the Father. Because it is hard, it is painful, it is amazing, it is filled with blessings. But the only way you're going to grow is if you struggle and if you sacrifice. Because sacrificing is a way of showing true love. Now, I know for those people who need a mental picture, I'm one of them. You need a mental picture to kind of put this all together. So, The Lord gave me this little mental picture that I'm going to share with you. So, And sorry for all the geometry people. I guess don't like geometry, all the non-math people out there. There is some 
of some shapes involved here and some geometry words that I'm going to be using. Just bear with me. So imagine that love and sacrifice are lines. They're infinite lines. They go on for infinity, right? And I mean, they, they could, since I believe and since the Lord has told us that love and sacrifice are the same, they could be the same line, but for this visual, they're going to be two separate lines and they're going to be parallel to each other. If you don't know what parallel means is that they're never, ever going to touch, right? They're two lines that are right next to each other that are exactly on the same plane and will continue on forever and never, ever, ever touch, right? Those are two parallel lines, love and sacrifice. And if our life is another line, our life will never, ever be parallel to those lines. It will not be parallel. If our life was a line, it would be, for the easiest sense of this picture in your head, it's perpendicular to those lines. Now, what that means is that it creates a, it creates a cross, right? It goes directly the opposite direction of those lines. So it cuts right through them. And with this picture, all I'm saying is that love and sacrifice are straight lines that will never touch. But as your life goes on, as your life goes down this never-ending line, you're going to hit the line of love and the line of sacrifice. And you're going to hit them both. You can't hit one without hitting the other. No matter how straight you can get to the line of love and sacrifice, no matter how close to parallel you can get, maybe you're 0.00001 degree off of parallel to those two lines. You're never going to get you're never going to get perfectly parallel and eventually that line of your life will eventually hit the line of love and then eventually hit the line of sacrifice. Because you'll never be perfectly parallel. So you'll always hit both and you can't have one without the other. You can't love someone without sacrificing for them or it's not true love. And you can't sacrifice for someone without loving without loving them. The only reason why you're going to sacrifice something, because we are all greedy human beings. Sharing is not in our nature. The only reason why you sacrifice for someone is because you have love for them. It might be an ounce of love, but you have love for them. You can't go in life without love and sacrifice. And so as I was going through, I was like, this all makes sense. I'm understanding it. But Lord, I need confirmation in your word. What is the ultimate, you know, what is the ultimate form of love and sacrifice in your word? And at this point, I have to admit, I felt like the dumbest Christian ever. Because this one, I shouldn't have even had to ask that question. But I did. But he showed me that the ultimate form of love and sacrifice is nothing other than his death on the cross and his resurrection. I mean, what's more love and sacrifice than giving the ultimate sacrifice according to the world's definition of what sacrifice is? According to the world's definition, he gave the ultimate sacrifice. He gave the ultimate sacrifice of his own flesh because of how much he loved us. And of course, that made complete sense because... That is the ultimate form of sacrifice and love in the in the Bible is, is his death. And so I asked him, okay, well, there's a bunch of different accounts through the Gospels, right? And he told me to go to Matthew's account. And when I found when I went to Matthew's account of the crucifixion, which is chapter 27, I thought it was super interesting that the crucifixion itself only lasts nine verses. Nine verses. That's it. From 
verse 27 to verse 35. And so I was like, well, Lord, if you want me to know what the ultimate form of love and sacrifice is, why'd you give me to Matthew, which has one of the least amount, verses talking about your love and sacrifice. And he told me, he told me why, and it hit hard because he said, my son, I want you to go in depth about my love and sacrifice for you and my children. And I want you to share it. And I don't know if you realize what he's asking me to share, but I need to ask you of one thing before I do, because he wants me to share something that's going to be hard to hear. It's going to hurt the soul. Um, and I just want you to, I just want you to know that please don't leave this podcast. Don't turn it off. Don't pause. Don't fast forward. Don't get off of it completely. For if you heard this podcast and the, and you decide to click on this one, episode one, there's a reason for that. And the Lord had you here and had you see this podcast and had you see this episode and have you click on it all for a reason. And I believe this is one of the biggest reasons why he has you here and he has you listening. This, this is something that we need to hear. And we don't like to talk about it except on Easter. But this is something that as Christians and as people learning about faith, we need to hear this because he did it for us and is one of the main reasons why we believe in what we believe in, that he died and that he rose again, proving to us in finality that he is the son of God. He went through this. What I'm about to share to prove to us that he is and so we can have a close relationship with him. We can ask for forgiveness and truly be forgiven and we can live a free life. We need to hear this and we need to swallow the pride, swallow our uncomfortableness to listen to this. Because he went through this for us. And if we don't even have the audacity to listen, then why are we even here? So I'm going to read Matthew 27, verse 27 through 35. And through my research of the other gospels and through online, I'm going to fill in what Matthew didn't include in the crucifixion. The Lord has asked me to share with you exactly what he went through out of love for us. Exactly what he sacrificed for us. So, chapter 27 of Matthew, verse 27. So this is just after Pilate has succumbed to the crowd and has 
authorized Jesus' execution through crucifixion. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out to the, called out the entire regiment. Now, the amount of soldiers a regiment was, the amount of Roman soldiers, was 600 Roman soldiers. So keep in mind, when it says regiment, it means 600 soldiers. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. And they placed the reed and stick in his right hand and scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail the King of the Jews. Now I want you to I want you to think about this mental picture. Six hundred warriors trained to kill, surrounded the Lord, and they ripped him naked. They took off all of his clothes so they could see everything, and he was completely naked and completely vulnerable. Around 600 men. And they took a crown, and they wove thorns, took a crown of thorns, and they wove it together, so thorns are sticking all over this thing, and they placed it on his head. They placed it on his head and pushed it down. So those thorns that are coming out of the out of the crown, would dig into his skull. They would pierce his head, pierce his skin, and dig into his skull. And the head is one of the body parts of the body that bleeds the most. So now he's profusely bleeding in his eyes, and his mouth, all over the place. All over his naked body in front of 600 men. And they gave him a staff and... And they gave him a staff to mock him. And they yelled at him and they spit on him. Imagine someone spitting on you completely naked while you bleed profusely from the head because of thorns driving into your skull. And they were mocking him for everything he stood for. And they spit on him. This is verse 30. And they spit on him and grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. They took the stick that they gave him to mock him, and then they beat him on the head with it. And let's not forget that there's a thorn of there's thorns already stuck in his head. And every time they hit him on the head with this stick, it drove those thorns deeper into his skull, ripping his scalp apart. Verse 31. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put on his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. When they were finally tired, there were 600 trained killers surrounding him, and they don't get tired fast. They took their time. And the next verse starts going about how Jesus started to carry the cross. And so there's a big part in here that the Lord wants me to share that isn't written about in Matthew, but has been written in other Gospels. Before they put back on his clothes, and before they got tired, that time period where they, were, where they weren't tired, they put him on his knees, and they shackled his hands together. And they took this thing called a whip. And it's not just leather that smacks on the back of your skin. 
No, their whips were leather. And at the end, they would tie rocks or stones or shards, sometimes a multiple of either of the options, and they would sharpen the rocks. And so when they would come down and slap this thing on your back, it would, one, slap on your skin, and the rocks and the shards and the sharp rocks would go into your skin. And then they would rip rip the whip away. And that's those stones and shards would rip the skin and the tissue right off his back. And they did it again and again and again and again. And as those wounds on his back would open up to the rocks and the shards slashing through his back, they would hit the same spot over again. So as your back skin and muscle and flesh open up, another rock would go deeper or another shard would go deeper in and rip even more of it out. And they did it all over. They did it on the back. They did it on the sides where the skin is really soft. They did it on the stomach. Over and over and over again, they would rip him apart. And he sat there and took it and didn't say a thing. And then they got tired after beating him on top of it. Verse 32, along the way they, they came across a man named Simon who was from Serene and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Now the reason why they talk about this man is because Jesus couldn't physically carry the cross himself. But believe me, they, they've, they made him try. They made him try to carry his own cross after everything they did to him. And this cross was able to fit a man on it. The cross weighed about 300 pounds. Now with that said, he didn't carry the whole cross completely off the ground. He most likely carried it over his shoulder at the, at the meeting of both beams, which that weighed around 100 pounds. So after everything he went through, he had a 100-pound cross on his shoulder. And let's not forget all those open wounds that are on his back. That wood is not sanded down. That wood is constantly rubbing against his back. His open flesh and splinters are driving in to the ripped flesh in his skin. And then the reason why they asked a man named Simon to come carry the cross is because Jesus fell. Now when he fell, what do you think happened? That cross hit him on his back or on anywhere else that was already ripped to shreds and it hit him in the head driving those thorns even deeper into his skull so finally he walks up to the very top he walks to where he's finally going to get crucified he had to walk to the place he was going to get murdered after already being beaten and then had to carry what he was going to be murdered on and the walk 
was about 600 yards. It's 2,000 feet up a hill. Verse 33. And they went out a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. That's all that was said about his crucifixion. But what isn't written down is that when he lays on the cross, they put the cross down on the ground because they can't nail it to him while he's while the cross is standing upright. So they put the cross on the ground and they throw him on top of it. So again, his head hits the back of the cross, the nails go deeper. His back skids against the wood and the splinters drive into his open wounds. And they put his arms out and they fold his feet on top of one another. And they took a nail and they put it on the palm of his hand. And with a hammer, they would smack the top of the nail until the nail drove into his hand, broke the skin, broke the bones, broke the veins and the blood vessels and the tissue until it came out the other side of his hand and into the wood. And they did it again and again and again. And that nail got bigger and bigger as it got to the head of the nail. And so as they keep hitting it, the wound in his hand is forced to expand. So it's forced to rip more skin, to rip more flesh, to break more bone as every pound. And they did it twice to both hands. And then, because that's not enough, they took a nail, a bigger one, and they stuck it in the top of his foot they started beating the nail through his feet, both feet. Again, it broke skin, it broke bone, it broke blood vessels, it broke veins, it broke tissue, and it just ripped it all apart. And as he hit the nail farther and farther down, the wounds just got bigger and bigger and bigger and got ripped wider. And now that he's nailed and he's not going anywhere, They decide to take the cross and they had to put it into its hole so it would stand upright. And so he's, they push him in. So they push the cross right in front of the hole and they start to lift it. And as they start to lift, gravity starts to do its thing. And it starts to pull the weight of the Lord, his physical body weight, down. And as it comes over that hole, the cross falls into the hole. And it falls and falls into place. And right when that happens, all the weight gets slammed down at once. Gravity and however much Jesus weighed, probably around 170, 190 to 200 pounds. And landed on what? He landed on his nails that were driven into him because that was the only thing from stopping him to succumb to gravity. And so those wounds got shoved upwards as his body weight tried to rest on these nails that are going through his hands and feet. And the majority of his weight was all on his feet and on the nail that is through his feet. 
And you might think that, hey, it's over now. He can just rest until he dies. No. No, he's still going to hurt. Because gravity's pulling him down, his arms are most likely above his shoulders. Because he's sagging. Because of the no, the zero strength he has in his body from all the brutally beating before. And so what he has to do, because when you put your arms up, it makes it more difficult to breathe. It restricts the airflow within your lungs. And so what he has to do is he has to lift himself up using his shoulders, his arms, his legs, his back, anything he can to lift himself up above so his arms go below or perpendicular to his shoulders so he can take a breath. It's just so he can breathe. And what's that's going to do? That's going to move the nail within that wound and rip more things then through his hand and rip more, more flesh in his feet. And those splinters are going to go driving in through his back as he scrapes his back across the back of the cross. And as he throws his head back to try to get a breath, those nails are going to drive farther into his skull. And he has to do this every time he breathes. Every time he wants a breath. Until he dies. Which is hours and hours and hours later. This is what the Lord did for you. And you know why he did all this? He did this because he loves you. He does this for us, for all of the children that are to come, because of how much he loves you. He sacrificed his comfort, his body, all the pain that he went to. He sacrificed all of the comfort because of how much he loves you. And how much he wants you. He wants you to be free from your sin. That's why he did this. Because of his love and he wants you to be free. He wants you to be able to know him. He wants you to love him back as much as he loves you. He did all this so we can be free from our sins anytime we want to be. He does this so we can repent, so we can move forward, so we can fall in love with the one that created us purely out of love. He suffered all of that for you and for me. Love comes with sacrifice. Sacrifice comes with love. And it's beautiful and painful. But he did it for us. And with all that said, and really diving into what he truly had to do for us, to those that are here and that don't know Christ, that are no Christ and haven't given your life to him, this is an opportunity right here, right now, to give your life to Christ. Out of everything you just heard, the Lord went through to give you this opportunity to do this. The Lord is prompting you. I'm going to say a prayer in a few minutes. 
and I would love for you to repeat after me if you're feeling that this is the time. This is our time to give our lives to Christ. It's time for us to sacrifice our earthly desires because of how much we love Jesus. Now this this moment is not to be taken lightly. This is life-changing. Just as what the Lord went through, his life-changing moment for us, this is life-changing moment for you. Because when you do this, you're accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. That he did all that for a reason. That he went through all of that for a reason. And that he did not die in vain. And that he rose again. Because he loves you. And he sacrificed for you. And you are willing to sacrifice your comfort in life. And your worldly living for him. And it's going to change your life. It's going to give you freedom. It's going to grow you. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be beautiful. And he's going to really show you why you're here. And he's going to show you all the love that he has for you. you're feeling called to do this and it's your time and you're ready to do this I want you to bow your heads close your eyes get on your knees if you can take off your hats in all respect to the Lord and I want you to repeat after me dear Lord we come to you we come to you with open arms an open soul and an open heart Because we believe. I believe in you, Father. I believe that you are my Father in heaven. I believe that you are the one and only God. I believe that you died on that cross for my sins. And I believe you rose again. I love you, Father. And I know that you love me. And I am ready to give my life to you. I am proclaiming my faith and giving my life to you this day. And every day forward, as long as I live. I love you, Father. Amen. Now, with that, with that prayer that you just prayed, you just changed your life. You just changed your life. You might not know it yet, but you just did something that changed your life completely. You are now saved. That means when you pass, you are not going to live in eternity, in hell, and in a place that you cannot fathom of disgust and hate and destruction, but you're now going to live in a place of glory. You're going to live in a place alongside the Father in heaven, and you're going to sit next to him, and he's going to be there with you, and you're going to see him face to face, and you're going to live out in eternity 
with him. Congratulations, this is unbelievable. This is an amazing moment in your life. This is probably the biggest, this is the biggest decision in your life that you will ever make. And I am so happy for you. That the Lord didn't do this in vain, that he did this for you and he did this for this moment right here. That he knew that you were gonna give your life to him and you, he was gonna be able to invade your soul and show you just how much he loves you. This is amazing, congratulations, this is awesome. Please do not turn off this podcast and just go about your daily life. Your life has just been changed. And I bet, I know that you feel the Holy Spirit inside you. Something feels a little different. And you know what that little different is? That is the Lord Almighty inside of you right now already getting to work. Because you allowed him to come in. Go, get yourself a cake. Get yourself anything you want. Indulge yourself. Celebrate. This is huge. Go find a church. Go find a Bible study. Go pick yourself up a Bible if you don't already have one. And start opening it up and reading it. And find a community. Find a church and explore what the Lord has for you and explore his love. I'm so happy for you. I am like, honestly, I know this probably sounds so corny, but I'm so happy for you. I'm freaking out right now because I know the Lord is doing something. I can feel it. I can feel that the Lord is doing something inside of people that are listening to this. I don't even know when you're listening to this. I don't even know who you are, but I know now that you're a brother or a sister in Christ. And I love you, the Lord loves you. And he did everything he did, everything I told you, everything he had me tell you because of how much he loves you. Accept it, take it all in. Congratulations, seriously, this is amazing. Go, go and open up that word and experience what the Lord has for you. He loves you. Thank you guys for listening to episode one of the Lord I Need You podcast. We hit off with a banger. There's no stopping us. There's no stopping what the Lord is having me do. The Lord is gonna, the Lord is gonna do some crazy things. Episode one, the Lord's parallel, love and sacrifice. Have a good one, guys.